Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that's like riding through the rain in wool pants and only wool pants. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing. We don't know why they support us, but you should. Now, to your regularly scheduled show, and don't turn it off this time. Don't, just stop. Tobor, you're supposed to be my. Where's the cuckoo sound? You're supposed. What are you doing waking me up on Wednesday? I thought I should allow you to sleep. Additionally, the smoke in the studio is unhealthy for your moist lungs and brachial apparatus. Don't you ever say that word again, ever. Moist or moist? Yes, that one. Oh my God. Uh, well, I guess I'm fired now for my job. I work in here. Why? Why would I not? Why would I care about the smoke? I I literally work in here. Uh, anyway, Tobor, we got a show to do. And uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to Creative Writing. This is episode two. I'm lost. I don't even know. Two hundred and thirty-three. On last time, last I would have said last week's, but Tobor, you were supposed to. Didn't they call you at like midnight on uh, Sunday asking where we were? I mean, we were supposed to hit. The, we we're supposed to be live casting out on GSXR six hundred FM. The Squid. They filled the time slot with a monkey playing motorcycle themed polka on just a pair of thumb cymbals. Great. <sighs> All right. Well, I'll have to call the execs and see if we still have a time slot there. And hopefully, I'll, I'm fired from my job, obviously, because if if it's Wednesday and you're just waking me up, my family hasn't called to ask about me. <laughs> Jeez. So anyway, welcome everybody back to uh, Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I guess this week we're just gonna have to throw out a burner. Um, uh, Tobor, we need to really please set up an interview. For, uh, see if we can call Rudy down at uh, Tito's. Tacos, you know, Tito's Taco, Topless Tampanade, Taco, uh, Titty Tavern, all that, where I used to do dancing on Thursday nights and Tuesday nights, by the way. Tuesday was taco night down there at Tito's. Uh, let's see what we can set up, and maybe I can um, want to worry about losing my 
only side job I'm going to have left. Uh, <clears throat> if you guys can't tell right now, uh, Creative Writing, we, we've been posting all week about the stupid Bobcat fire. We are right by this baby, and uh, for the first time in like a week, uh, the smoke is cleared, and old junk Meister can breathe. It's been horrible. Um, coming out, even stepping outside, uh, it was so nice and oppressive, the heat. <clears throat> which uh, before we get into this show about motorbikes, I have to commend our local firefighters. Um, this didn't turn into a Cal Fire event. They just let kept it local, the Forestry Service and a couple of local fire departments taking care of it. Um, there's some pictures that I, I deleted off my phone. You guys don't care about them, uh, but I will, if you want, I'll post them up. Uh, but thanks for looking at that garbage all week. Uh, all I could do was just be amazed at how uh, insane... It was, um, we've had fires on that hill plenty of times before. They keep saying, oh, it hasn't burned in 60 years. Bro, it just burned like three years ago when I lived, <laughs> I lived even closer. Uh, at the old place where we used to, uh, where this uh, po- junkie, you really got to quit pushing buttons that you don't know what they do. <clears throat> that was, that stopped the recording, you idiot. Uh, so this is the next day. No, I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, the, the house where I used to live, when Wiggins first came on the show and we used to, where this podcast first started, I lived right next to the fires. And uh, at least now I live like a mile away. But I got to tell you, a mile doesn't make much of a difference when you're talking about the volume of smoke in the air. And uh, we the um, the firefighters are doing such a bang-up job. It was oppressive heat. It was like 116 and 114 um, two weekends ago. Uh, oddly enough, the fire, the smoke blocked out the sun. So although I couldn't breathe at all and I, uh, you know, had a hard time, um, getting oxygen to my poorly oxygenated brain as it is, um, it made it cooler. The, uh, that oppressive heat that was like a hundred and, uh, you know, 114, it, uh, literally dropped down to like 75 or 80 the next day, um, after the smoke went up above the air or went up above the, uh, uh, the, over the, over the city. Um, the problem is, is uh, for one day it was great and it was cool. And I was like, Oh wow, this is great. You know? And it looked like a really crappy, um, overcast day. And the, and the overcast was kind of orange, not, uh, not gray, like a normal overcast day. The crummy thing was the very next day, all that smoke came and settled down here. Uh, we've been having some lower temps and I guess like the higher pressure or something in the upper atmosphere every damn day. <clears throat> Excuse me. I can barely breathe right now. I shouldn't, we shouldn't be in here, Tobor. You're right. This, my alveoli or whatever are getting tortured. But, um, yeah, and this show is going to be short since I, I, all week I've been huffing in. I feel like I've been rolling around in a campfire. So I could only imagine what the guys up there, um, fighting the fire, uh, you know, what, what they feel like right now. They probably feel like they smoked 52 cigars uh, consecutively. But, <clears throat> pardon me. Anyway, the smoke was coming down over the uh, neighborhood, and it looked like this terrible, smelly fog every single day. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it's been bad. I think, Tobor, you did a good job by keeping us out of here because actually the studio right now kind of smells a little bit like I barbecued some uh, smoked ribs in here. It doesn't actually smell that great. I accidentally left the door cracked just a tad last night, and it was the first day in a long time the smoke had cleared out uh, and the winds had changed and blew the smoke back over the mountain instead of coming down into the neighborhood. 
And so it was the first uh, day in like uh, like 10 days or so, I think, that the, um, excuse me, <clears throat> the air was actually breathable and you could go outside and enjoy it. The thing is, is it warmed up a little bit after that uh, smoke left again. So whatever, it's too hot to, it's too hot to enjoy the clean air and it's too smoky to enjoy the cool air. <laughs> so um, creative writing, we did get out, um, I have been doing short rides up to the fire line. <clears throat> Part, God dang, I'm going to pass out. Um, I have been doing short rides up to the fire line, uh, partially because it's kind of stopped just above Old Town, the part of Old Town, um, where we, we've been trying to patronize our favorite restaurants and, and order out, uh, keep them open and uh, doing business during this whole thing. And I went up <laughs> to this place... Uh, in Monrovia called the Diplomat, which is really nice. It's cool. Um, Lebanese food. And I got to tell you, they had people sitting outdoor drinking beer and eating. Not not a whole bunch, but it was just a few people. And then um, inside, the, inside the restaurant, about six feet in, there's a layer of ash. So you can imagine like what the people of uh, that live near volcanoes, you know what I'm saying? Like how they feel after that crap erupts, just ash everywhere. And I can only imagine our, <clears throat> the people up in Oregon and Washington as well. Like those things, the wildfires on the West coast are just nuts right now. So anyways, uh, I, I, this isn't new. If you remember a few years ago, uh, there was some crazy wildfire. Hell, earlier this year, there was some nutty wildfires. Um, and some people, uh, just east of us at that gender reveal party gone bad. Hey, why don't you guys just, uh, light a, light a book of matches and throw it onto a field next time, uh, and say, Hey, I bet, you know what? Speaking of that, I don't know if the kid is going to be, uh, like my, my, one of my, uh, children was born on September 11th. Not the most ideal day to be born. Why? Because one day in 2001, uh, something happened. Up until then, that was any other day, right? So gender reveal party for this kid. Hey, plenty of people have do have done them. Plenty of people are still going to do them. Probably not with like smoky fire and incendiary things around around dry fields. But anyway, I wonder if this kid now is just going to have this weird stigma like my kid. Everyone goes, oh, September 11th, sorry about your birthday or whatever, you know, big deal. But I wonder if this kid is going to have that same thing. Oh, so you're the kid that started the... Uh, <laughs> started the, uh, what is that up there burning? The El Dorado fire. I think that's actually coming under, um, getting contained. The Bobcat fire by me, <clears throat> it is not contained and I've been watching it flare up and go down for the last like two weeks. I think it started on the 6th and, um, yeah, it had, it, they're letting it burn in on itself. And so they dropped Fozcheck all over around the town up here along the ridge. They've saved all the neighborhoods up there. Um, I can only imagine what the wild, there's been so many bears this year that it's been making um, lots of news between last fall and this summer. Tons of bears have been coming down, and uh, there was even a mountain lion a few months ago in somebody's under a crawl space in somebody's house, like way down off the hills. So I was kind of surprised, but there's and there's deer that just wander around all over. So now I'm wondering where those animals. I hope they're good and, and safe, and I it makes me wonder where they where the heck they went. And are they just chilling people's pools? They're like, hey, we're going to go down to this neighborhood. There's a very, very, very thin strip of vegetation now between the burn uh, 
the burn, it's kind of like you took a um, razor and shaved somebody's head down to the, like, their eyebrows or something. So there's a very, very thin strip of vegetation between the neighborhood and the actual burn line of the hill. And, um, and the hill is just gone. It's just uh, dirt and gray spots of ash. Maybe I will post a pic on Instagram for everybody. But, uh, yeah, so thank you to firefighters. Thanks to all the businesses that have been enduring this uh, and staying open. <clears throat> Like I said, Junkie left the uh, door open here to the studio, and there was a little bit of ash just floating around in here, and it smells like barbecued ribs in here now, which I know sounds delicious, but it, it more or less smells like the barbecue part of the not the not the tasty delicious ribs. So anyway, yeah, there's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of cleanup and a lot of um, probably not riding around here. So I've been riding like every other day to go get uh, food and supplies and stuff like that. I haven't had an issue. Uh, breathing the air is is one thing. I've been wearing a respirator, um, but when I when I ride, obviously you just have my helmet, right? And so the air hasn't been that bad in my helmet, um, but you can definitely taste it. And now, like just just from uh, working out in this stuff, even in a closed room, just being out here. Every day you could, I can just take, I can't get rid of the smell of the smoke. So it's pretty thick. <clears throat> and so th- today was another day this morning, the smoke was back. So it had blown off yesterday and I could actually see the mountain for the first time in about a week, uh, where Angela's crest, you, you might hear us talk about riding up there all the time. And it's one of the most, uh, popular spots in so in in this part of uh SoCal in LA for uh riders to come and lots of people love to ride it and it connects so many parts of Southern California together from you know you can kind of connect a Antelope Valley where Willow Springs Raceway is you can connect over to Wrightwood and 15 on the way to Vegas uh, and it connects LA obviously to uh every everywhere on that side and it's like uh really really super popular so um, yeah, I hope the crest is doing okay. She burns like every year. <clears throat> the problem is, is that you don't need it anymore. Like you used to, it used to connect, uh, the West side of, uh, the Valley here, uh, over to Wrightwood, which is over on the East side of the 15 going up through Vegas. Um, well, Wrightwood's on the West side of the 15, but anyway, it used to connect the mountain range basically. And so not a lot of people use it to actually commute to a house or to a location. You've got the, uh, the 210 on one side and the 15 on the other. And to get to the Antelope Valley, you can go up, uh, 210 or five to get in there. So it's not like there's a, a lot of, uh, interstates going through the mountains there. It's just one little windy road called the two and, uh, or highway two. And it's super popular for rides. So I hope um, that it's open. I mean, it looks like the fire is burning back to it right now. And it's always in the burn zone. So I hope they saved Newcomb's Ranch. Newcomb's Ranch is almost burned like every single year since I've lived up here. There, I swear there's always a fire on this hill. So I don't understand when they say it hasn't burned for 60 years. They must be talking about a very specific pocket of vegetation on that hill. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, it took out most of the hill. It's still burning really bad today, but it, like I said, it's moving away from the front side of the hill to the back side. So the only way we're going to get smoke is if it uh, settles in the air 
and comes down with the dew every every night and every morning, and then hopefully it blows off again. And uh, we can't wait to get back to riding. And as soon as the crest opens, I will go up there and check it out. Um, yeah, I usually go every New Year's. There's a ride where I take Spamla. Um, a lot of vintage bikes go up there. And so uh, I can't wait to go up there uh, this New Year's. But as soon as, as soon as the fire's out, I'll go up there and check it out and make sure everything's uh, good to go. Um, yeah, so this is all Newcomb's needs is like first COVID hit and now this. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, tonight's show, we're going to bring you a special, uh, if I can grab it here, we're going to bring you a special show. I want to talk about somebody that we interviewed before. I've been thinking about this person quite a bit. Uh, it's our friend Sarah Guthrie. And uh, you'll, he- you'll hear her in our interview. I want to rerun this interview because um, after talking to her, I uh, downloaded her book that she wrote on Kindle. You'll hear her talk about it in her interview. And uh, if she doesn't, I'll tell you uh, after the interview. But anyway, yeah, we need to just throw this out here and get it out because my (laughs) it might not sound like it, but my voice has been raw all week, and I don't think I could do uh, an hour and a half show. Um, And also... It's coming up here. We we owe you a show. We've been out. We've been locked out of the studio here for like a week. So, Tobor, what do you say? You want to fire up the uh, interview machine and get everything going and all that jazz? Yeah. All right. That was a nice little delay. But uh, all right. So here's our interview with Sarah. Uh, check it out, and we'll come back afterward for a little wrap up. All right. Let's get into this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I'm here. We got another guest interview this week, and uh, this time it's coming to us not from the West Coast. It's coming to us somewhere in I don't know. I, I'm super unfamiliar with the middle of the United States, and that's my goal here on the show. Yeah, <laughs> to get acquainted with that. So on the line we have another guest. I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Take it away. Okay. Hi, I'm Sarah Guthrie. I live in southeast Ohio, not too far from Athens and also not too darn far from the Ohio River. Uh, I am not a native Ohioan, though. So, yeah, Sarah Guthrie, not Arlo's kid. I was a singer-songwriter for a long time, and I used to bill myself as not Arlo's kid because his kid's Sarah Lee. I'm Sarah Lynn. Oh, cool. People would see me at folk festivals. I traveled the country and, and performed and competed in songwriting competitions, and they'd say, oh, I heard Jen Mountain Stage, and I'd say, no, you didn't. But Sarah Lee's very nice. I met her at a festival, had dinner with her and her husband and their kid, and then she got on stage and I got to sit and watch. Nice. Because if you're not related to Arlo, you have to sit in the audience. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Arlo did contact me a couple of uh, New Year's days later and he uh, was laughing. He said, boy, I found your website. Ha, ha, ha. He must have been Googling himself because it said not Arlo's kid. He's like, this is pretty funny. What if I married your mom? You won't be able to say that anymore. And I said, well, Arlo, she is available. Would you like me to ask? When I was, That's me, Sarah Guthrie, like the folk singers. And yeah. you can find my tunes under Damn Farm Girl, um, uh, Sarah Guthrie, Damn Farm Girl, on iTunes. All right. So I'm if gonna... you get the other Sarah Guthrie, it's not Damn Farm Girl. Now, that's something that we didn't uh, talk about earlier when we had, con- you know, when we made contact online. Is uh, So this is new to me, the singer-songwriter bit. I know. I've done a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we're we're going to find out on this little trip. So um, what else? What else do you do up there in uh, Southeast Ohio, not from Ohio? Um. So what do I do? Let's see. I ended up in Ohio. I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa when I wasn't living in 
When I wasn't, let's see, when I was young, I traveled the world with my family. My dad worked for Chrysler and we traveled around the world two and a half times and then were relocated in Sydney, Australia. So in preschool, I was in Sydney, Australia, overlooking the ocean. And I came back to Des Moines, Iowa when we moved stateside, uh, where my dad and mom are both from. Yeah. In Iowa. And you don't have... An Iowa or an Australian accent, interestingly enough. Not anymore, but at, at the time, everybody wanted, they'd come up and go, oh, have her say something, have her say something, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a four-year-old, learn to speak down, down under. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Iowa, and then, you know, the one thing about Iowa, it's a lovely place to grow up, but if you want to do anything, you kind of go, okay, what's next, and get out of it. So I went to Chicago for school. Didn't like Chicago that much, but ended up meeting someone from Ohio and relocating to Ohio. So here I am. And then that was Northern Ohio, but I didn't like Northern Ohio as much as I liked Southern and knew some folks. Well, let's see. We'll go back. So I was an existentialist in college. I wore a black beret and I wrote for the school newspaper and, you know, read French, German, Russian, 20th century literature, and I smoked a pipe. So... (laughs) um, then I discovered hippies and became a hippie. Uh, went to a rainbow gathering here in Ohio, not far from where I'm sitting right now. And um, rainbow gatherings, do you know them? Uh, you know what? I've I've heard of them. Them and the uh, okay. the weathermen. Rainbow gatherings. Yeah, well, they were started after Vietnam War. It was veterans and Native Americans getting together, going, "Wow, there's no place for us in this country." So they would gather every July Fourth in the National Forest, which is supposed to be there for the people. And kind of pray, and um, it was it was non-commercial. Nobody could sell anything. Everything was trade-based. Everybody brought whatever they could, and everybody shared out of communal kitchens. So you didn't have a solo fire. You had like a communal kitchen fire with everybody around you. That's in theory. You know, as it morphed, it changed. But it was also really, really key, really, really key that there was no alcohol allowed. Okay. Other substances, but no alcohol, because you may know this, but that's been a problem for some Native Americans as huh. well as veterans. So um, rainbow gatherings, yeah. So I did that for a number of years, and that's actually I got pregnant and gave birth at the rainbow gathering in. Well, I gave birth at the rainbow gathering in Nevada in 1989. It was 100 miles from the closest town and five miles from our vehicles. So you had to hoof it down to the Jarbridge River in the Humboldt National Forest and squeeze a baby out. And there he was. So. <laughs> Get out of town. No, I know, right? This funniest thing, his name's Rush. He, and I can tell you the story of his name if you want. But the funniest thing is that um, he was working in Fort Collins where he'd moved to after college to be with a girl. And... Uh, so this van full of hippies pulls into his hardware store and they're like, yeah, we need a $5 wrench. And he's like, um, you know, I've got a multi-tool. Let me, what do you need? And he just had to tighten something on their battery, but he's talking to him going, well, where are you guys headed? Oh, we're going to the spring, uh, council to get ready for the rainbow gathering. He's like, oh, that's funny. I was born at the one in 89 in Nevada. They're like, oh my God, that's you. We were there. <laughs> wow. So there, are they, they still going on at, at this time? So you can look them up. The Rainbow Gathering of the Tribes is, yes, every July 4th, they get together and have a huge gathering in some national forest. And there's a big prayer circle at noon on the 4th, which that's pretty cool. But the reality is people are kind of dirty and gross. And I've stayed at Rainbow Gatherings and done cleanup crew. And it's really disappointing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I won't go into it, but you can imagine. You can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It just seems like one of those things that... That used to happen a lot, but I don't hear about those anymore. So I guess you kind of got to be in the know for that. 
you, you kind of do are looking for it. So everyone knows about Burning Man just because it's been in the news a lot. Right. For a while, everyone knew about the rainbow gatherings because basically the Forest Service was trying to make them illegal and telling people they couldn't gather in the National Forest without a permit if mm. it was more than like 10 or 12 people, which is like kind of not the point because yeah. the National Forests are kind of supposed to be ours. That is part of your... I don't know, was that before, that was your singing songwriting career? Is this, was traveling so around? So then or? I'd been, okay, so this is a cool story. I had a guitar, but I wouldn't let anybody see me play it or hear me sing. Okay. Because I took voice lessons, but I was never a natural singer. So I had to really, really work to be just sort of okay. Well, there was a guy, I was with the Rainbow folks at the Democratic Convention in Atlanta, 88, and we had a camp by little five points, I think. Anyway, so there was a guy who's hitchhiking, looked like a young um, Bob Dylan, Robert Zimmerman, you know, like b- big, curly, kind of froey hair. And he had a broken old guitar thrown over his back. It didn't even have a case. And he was hitchhiking from one corner of the United States to the other. But he would pull out his guitar and he would play two chords. And he would get people dancing and he was off key and his guitar wasn't well tuned and people were dancing and playing drums and having a blast. And I looked at him and I went, well, shit, I can do that. <laughs> so that's when I started performing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and then one of my bands early on was called GCDC. GCDC, okay. Because those were the chords we played. Oh. With, a little, with a little lightning bolt down through the middle GC. Right. <laughs> That's so rad. Oh I know. And I played banjo at that point. Yeah. Too, so. Man, hey, you're you're asking for to make a comeback. I mean, that's I I find that with like a, a lot of the new Americana and the new kind of pop bands that are coming out, it's that's yep. the folky feels making like a big big uh revival or a comeback, you know. It's so. true, but I gave it up about 7 years ago and I the only time I pick up a guitar anymore is to play for my children at school. Yeah. So what I had hoped to do, honestly, was to sell some of my songs. So I was out there kind of trying to get people to acknowledge like, oh, this is a cool song. But I have an anthem called I Want to Be a Cowboy about a girl who wants to be a cowboy. And I have a song called I'm Going to Marry Myself, which is... It's it's a rollicking good time. It's it's t- very tongue in cheek. And then my favorite was one that I played at the Kerrville Folk Fest when I was a new new folk finalist there. And it's called it's a sing along. It's called I'm All Right and You're All Wrong. It's all sing along, right? And I had 500 people Pete Seeger me and and actually sing along. It was pretty awesome. No, oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. So okay, so singer songwriter existentialist, uh, author, rainbow warrior. What else have we got here? Well, so then I moved to this area because I realized I had a child and I needed to put him somewhere. And this area by Athens has a lot of intentional communities. I don't know if you know that, but it's it's kind of a hippie bastion like Boulder, only smaller and with no mountains. Uh, So we knew some folks that had community farms and I ended up buying land with some money that I hadn't spent on college that my grandparents had left me. And I bought 184 acres, an old abandoned farm that had been a rental for 30 years. And the house had been actually empty and was full of trash and all the wiring was ripped out and all the copper pipes were gone. Got 184 acres for 40,000 back in 92 and put my son down and said, here. (laughs) And then I looked around and said, other people, come help me with this. And so I started a community farm. It was called the Dam Farm because they had beavers, right? So okay. I've got swampland and I've got cliffs. And the swampland at one point had had beaver dams and they'd had to explode them because they were degrading the road and taking out the the bridge. But we would come home at night to the dam farm, D-A-M. 
And that's how I became Damn Farm Girl, which was my handle. When I when I was a rainbow, I was dragon bait because Sarah means princess and princesses are dragon bait. But then when I was at the Damn Farm, I became Damn Farm Girl. And that was what I traveled and performed under. All right. I had I'd written Damn Farm Girl. And let me tell you, I amended it. I took off the the N at and, the end of damn. No. So now I get it. That makes yeah. uh, that story yep. comes around. Yep. Hey, yep. On, a side, on a side note, yes. could you imagine being this beaver and then... <laughs> like one day your house blows up and you're like, what the hell? Did yeah, I, did I leave yeah, the gas I on? Can. Yeah. 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 Um, I know so you- let me tell you something about intentional community. It's a oh. great right. pipe dream. It's a this. wonderful pipe dream. Let me make a side note here. 1125. Okay. Yeah. Attentional yeah. community. Intentional community. Um, we Americans are not hardwired for getting along with others and cooperating. Uh, neighborhoods, I think, are much healthier. Um, a lot of people who are drawn to alternate culture, and I think this is true on the left and the right, when it's real far out there, they're usually pretty broken, myself included. I was abused as a child. I was raised by alcoholic parents who divorced. My mom took it out on me and my younger sister, you know, so it goes on and on and on. But that turned out everyone else at my intentional community was broken as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this comes out over time. So there's no one there anymore. One woman sold her piece of land that I'd given, basically given to her and another woman um, sold back to me. And so I still have 105 acres and that's where we have... Uh, we live. You can't see any other lights. I built a house in the late 90s. Um, it's passive solar. It's got solar electric now. Um, the old farmhouse is pretty much condemnable. And uh, it's beautiful. We got miles and miles and miles of trails. I hike every day. Every damn day I'm out on my trails yeah. with my dogs. Every D-A-M, every damn day? Every, mm-hmm, <laughs> with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love the land so much and we've put so much work into the land that it's really nice. People are coming and staying there now and they just crave a bit of peace. They're like, can I please just sit by a campfire under the stars and have nothing? <laughs> yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. That's hard to find nowadays, especially the, really uh, the stars bit just because cities yep. are moving out and the light pollution is one thing, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I, know. I do, I do. And then you go to a campground and this happened when we were out years ago, touring through the West, and we were in a campground, I think, in Utah. And we cut a, a camp, like a tent, and the guy with the generator next door fires it up at 5.30 to run his air, air conditioning. Oh, geez. Ah! <laughs> that's glamping no. to the max right there. No, yeah, well, that's not. That's that's how everybody feels like you have to do it anymore, but... Yeah. Yeah. No more uh, pitching, no more carrying just your tent on your bike and pitching it, you know, a lean-to. Mm-hmm. You can do that, but you have to really work to find those places, yeah. Yeah. So you guys have uh, an establishment where people come? You guys have, you know, is it, when you invite people to come there, is it... uh, So it's through Airbnb, actually, these days. Oh, okay. And what's the name of that? It is called Blue Heron Run. Okay. Which is what we name. We've got about a mile of road frontage on the Onion Creek and the Onion Creek is a decent-sized creek. It usually doesn't dry up in the summertime. It'll get down to just some puddles. But then there's a little tiny creek off of it that runs back, a beautiful holler behind the old farmhouse. And we named that Blue Heron Run because from day one, the first day I arrived, I saw blue herons. And being a city girl from Iowa, I said, what the hell is that? It looks like a pterodactyl. <laughs> and since then, we've seen them all up and down the creek. Sometimes we scare them up when we're walking the dogs. We had a mated pair fly over our house one year. And I have a large... Um, 
print that a printmaker friend of mine made of two blue herons flying in my bedroom. Nice. Um, Blue herons are sort of, yeah, our, um, we've also got fox. I've seen mink. I've seen muskrat. I mean, we've got all kinds of coyotes just walking, just like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. So you're <laughs> There's not... bear not too far from us. Oh, wow. Crazy. Oh, blue, uh, bobcats. I've seen bobcats. And the local university is the bobcats. And I'm like, damn, that's a bobcat. And it turned around and looked at me and was like, what? Because bobcats don't take shit, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pretty ferocious for a small, smaller cat, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. And so this is on your actual property there in yep. uh in Ohio. What type of yep. stuff are do you do you have glampers there? Do you have um like We have people there this weekend, yes. Oh no, nice, nice. Yep. And I'm cheating a little bit because we talked about it off air, but um can you describe like I you sent me a link and I checked it out and a, it looks fabulous. It looks like this. Uh, it just looks like so much fun. And I thought you right. had some yurts there, but y- can you can you tell us what actually uh, I was seeing in these pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to blueheronrun.com or if you find us on Facebook, you have to search. You, they don't let you search by the name. You have to search Albany, Ohio, which is the town four miles away that we live near. Okay. Anyway, so the tents themselves, yeah, they're not yurts, but the guy who designed them had yurts in mind and he had teepees in mind. They're 10 feet tall in the center. The sides are only a couple of feet tall, the yurt-type sides. Um, And so they're canvas tents with a big pole in the center. They were designed in the Civil War by General Bell, who uh, made them basically to sleep a whole lot of troops in. And so instead of sleeping a bunch of troops, we just put a um, nice queen-size mattress with real sheets in there and a box spring and a little shag carpet for your feet and a little velour chair and you set up outside and there's no electric and there's an outhouse and there's a bag shower and there's enough firewood because we've got plenty, plenty, plenty of firewood. And you just sit by the fire and look up at the stars. Nice, man. That sounds... And the road that goes by is so quiet that people are like, does anyone live down there? <laughs> right, right. They'll, they'll see one car maybe go by and you're not by the road. You're way back off the road. There are two tents currently set up and they're far enough away that you can't see each other. You might hear somebody if they go, woo, you know, by the fire, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so going so back- privacy and romance. Right. And going back to the, you know, the city and camping around cities, uh, you, you can actually see stars there. It sounds like that's- You can absolutely, oh no, from- uh, the stars are incredible. If it's a clear night, you can see millions of stars. Oh, we have had the best viewing for some of the, um, the Perseids are usually pretty good. Is that the August one? Uh, sure. Yeah, the Perseids <laughs> are up. Yeah, they are. Because the Leonids are not the August one. You would think they would be, but they're coming out of Leo. Yeah, we've had just amazing stargazing. And um, we, uh, when I first lived there in the old farmhouse, we were non-electric. We had some solar and we had um, a well that we dipped a bucket in. So I had two babies in cloth diapers for years with just hauling all my own water. We took a bath out back where you set your bathtub. It's an Appalachian hot tub. You set your bathtub up on blocks and then you light a fire under it and you put down a piece of uh, heavy-duty um, plywood to sit on. Yeah. Was our bathtub? That is awesome. You know, a, a lot of what you're screaming right now is sounds a lot like Arkansas, where my family grew up. I mean, they didn't have electricity okay. until that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, until the '60s, and it's like you know, the rest of the. I mean, people had electricity in the 1860s. You know, so they uh, yes, exactly, took a hundred yeah. years to get there. But it's actually so peaceful, and yep. it's, it's on a creek as well. So just that sound when you're when you 
live in the city and you come out to somewhere like that, it's such a relaxing, it's a whole mindset change. It's hard to- Oh, I watch people. We had one guy, a cement worker, and he showed up and you could just see how tightly wound he was. And two days in, he's he's like, oh. you know, they've yeah. been frolicking in the creek and oh. flipping over rocks and looking for, you know, crawdads and just just having a time of it. Yeah, it's good. It's good to get back to kind of where we came from as humans, just, you know, yeah. getting back to earth and, and not having our, our cell phone and a Wi-Fi tower right next to you. I, I actually like that sort of stuff. Um, yep. That's awesome. Blue Heron Run. I'm going to put that in the show notes and, and uh, check that out. Um, anything well, else you got on your plate? Anything else you like to do in your spare time? Well, I just went for a big old ride on some of the serpent's bones. Nice. Let's <laughs> This talk- morning. Yeah, I made it back and uh, was just wolfing down a uh, big fruit smoothie before I before I got on the phone with that you. That sounds good. Go ahead. I was going to uh-huh. say, let's talk about, um, I know one more thing you do is uh, you've sent me some movie clips that you've uh, worked on. Yes. And so yes. you have a, a movie career and, and somewhere in here, we'll get into motorcycles, but this is a, it's, is a, it's a, I mean, you've, you got a full life going on right now and and all this stuff is so interesting i can't believe i'm just talking to one person so quickly before, right. so, before we get to the bikes and the and the serpent's bones uh walk me through the the film your little film so, career sure sure i my daughter has commented to me that she gets really really into something for a few years and then goes okay i get that and then moves on to something else and that's sort of been me you know um i did one style of dance and then i did a different style of dance and then at one point my daughter and i took belly dancing classes together um and then i went in and got my yoga teacher certification i mean it's just kind of like i dabble in stuff and go okay i think i got that um I think motorcycling is going to stick mostly because it's something I started doing with my husband after the kids were, you know, grown. And um, he's been riding since he was 11. Okay. So I've been riding for about five years now. Oh, cool. Um, Solo, solo. Well, so I was riding on the back of his bike. He didn't have a bike for when the kids were young. And then he got himself like a a trail bike and would just go on the state forest trails back um, not too far from our house. And then one day he showed up with a Kawasaki Velcan 900 and I went, ooh. Um, so in the, so I rode on the back of that. He would ride it, say, to Montana, and then I would fly out and meet him and hop on the back and we would do the mountains. Yeah, that sounds um, like fun. <laughs> yeah, really fun. It was, it was an introduction to what motorcycling could be about. So in the process of reinventing myself, because I'm older, I'm 53, let's see, yeah, 53, um, I, I got you by about a hundred years, actually. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be a hundred and fifty three here pretty soon. So. Oh, cool, cool, cool. How is that? Looking back, it's very. Uh, it's been a very full life. <laughs> yes, um, but you know, midlife crisis had cancer. You know, uh, kids growing up and moving out of the home. Not bad. It's just all big changes. And in the process, I left teaching and went back to school. My husband had gotten a really good job in a corporate office where he was making more than we made together before. So it gave me the freedom to go back to school and get a second master's. I have one in education. This one I got in journalism because I've always been a writer, always, always, always had pseudonyms and I published, self-published a lot of my own stuff. Um, what what, um, what did you teach? Did you teach journalism or, or creative writing? No, or like no, no, no. I taught preschool. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I have a degree in special ed. So my first year teaching, I was special ed. Then I was preschool. Um, left that, went back to um, journalism, realized I wasn't a journalist, started doing creative writing. Well, I'd been writing for the theater for my daughter because she and her friends all wanted to put on plays. I'd been um, writing books 
for a long time. So I just turned some of my ideas into different formats and then started learning about screenwriting. Uh, got in touch with some folks. There's a film school at Ohio University right up here in Athens. Got in touch and said, I'm wanting to screenwrite if anyone needs um, a script. So that's where some of the master's students, all they have to do a project at the end. So I ended up working with a just lovely man, um, Satish Moore, who's now out in LA, actually. Oh, crazy. I'll look him up. Super, super smart. Um, grew up in the slums of uh, India. Dirt poor. Yeah. So he's put himself through a lot and very bright guy. Um, yeah. And his movie that he made, we, we, we collaborated on the idea. I basically threw him a bunch of ideas. I said, well, we could do this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, pick one. And he said, I kind of like this one, but take it this direction. And so I did that. And then how about this? And then, um, so I did the main scripting and then he added some touches here and there and tweaked some things that he wanted to kind of express something differently. So it was a wonderful collaboration. and I'd love to do something like it again. Yeah. And then I ended up scripting um, another uh, master's thesis. that was a little bit shorter, more like 10 or 12 minutes long. And uh, that was good because uh, it was just a different style and a different director. Yeah. So then I, I had my screenplays, my my longer screenplays. I had one about a homeschooler who transitioned to middle school in eighth grade based on my own children's experiences as well as a bunch of the kids that kind of homeschooled with them. And they all transitioned in sixth, seventh or eighth grade, almost all. Uh, so you go to school thinking you're going to become normal. Turns out no one's normal. And so that's really what that was about. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have, school School is yeah. like one of the weirdest places. You know, it can be one of the craziest places. Oh my, actually, well, yeah. it's the place, right? Because it's the only place in your life where you're going to be required to be with everybody from all walks of life. Yeah. My son ended up being the, um, you know, this, the Analyze This movie where you've got the Billy Crystal character and the, the mob boss, Robert De Niro, comes to him and, hey, you've got to listen to me, you know? Yeah. Um, my son ended up being that psychoanalyst for the punk at school, and he heard some horrifying stories. Yeah. Knives, girls oh. pregnant, oh, all this man. kind of stuff. But this kid relied on him like, hey, Rush, come here. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you something real quick. Sure. Man, crazy. Uh, so are you currently, besides uh, you know Blue Heron, are you working on any films right now? The one that you sent me, if you don't mind me mentioning the poetry machine. Is that, yes. Okay, so that one I thought was really creative. It was interesting, and uh, I just like wow. It's, it was a it was a interesting idea, and it looks like it was maybe a, a short film uh, for yes. Yeah. Okay. It was his master's thesis, about twenty two minutes. Okay. Right. 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 So, and I thought that was pretty cool, you know. And I was looking at it, going, wow. Like it took a lot of people just to make that, and I'm sure it took. Yeah, I'm not sure. Even, you know, I couldn't even yeah. speculate how long it took to make that because I know how long it takes to make a podcast. I can imagine right. a film, how, how long that actually took, but um, I really liked it. And are you working on, and you were like one of the writers on that? And I was the, yeah, Satisha and I wrote, like basically crafted that. And he said, can you, can I have, you know, dual credit for it? And since I knew he was going into the film industry, I was like, dude, sure thing. Yeah. It's your film. You know, like I, it was an honor to work with him. Yeah. Are you doing anything so currently? Whoops. Well, so I, you know, it's fine. I have several screenplays that I have been out to LA and tried to market. Here's the problem. If you're not out there in the industry, me- meeting and greeting and schmoozing and talking ideas with people, you just, or know someone, like if I really was related to Arlo Guthrie, I could probably get a film sold. Um, so from Ohio, I have, I'm, I had some contact with Satish over the summer, actually about collaborating. And then we went our separate ways because his, film as light as I wanted mine to be. 
I wanted a humor. I'm kind of in the mood for humor. Yeah. So um, I, you know, had some some bites on Homeschooler v. Middle School. I have another swashbuckling um, adventure tale that features a strong female. Um, so she basically ends up saving everybody, you know, including the pirate. But, uh, you know, without me being out there, <laughs> I can have all the ideas. I can write all the scripts. But no, I'm, I don't really... Ha- I'm teaching here. I'm motorcycling here. This is what I'm doing. So yeah. that's that's sitting there. And if at some point I could collaborate, I would love to collaborate with somebody who's maybe out there working in the industry. Yeah. Uh, because what I'm really good at is the ideas. Right. So the idea that I told you I was working on this last summer revolves around, yeah, a pole studio. Because guess what's hot these days? My daughter takes pole dancing, and I think it's freaking amazing, <laughs> right? She was the belly dancer her senior year in, in high school for the local Middle Eastern place. And now she's belly dancing, and she, or not, I mean, she's pole dancing, and she's climbing this pole and hanging upside down and going, wee! Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah. She also I- volunteers on the weekends with sick kids and dresses up as a superhero. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Or a princess, depending on what the theme is. Right. You know, I, I don't think people for a long time got enough credit for uh, dancing around poles because it's It's so it's hard. physical. Yeah. Uh, so both of my kids live in Denver now. And I went out to visit and went to the, yeah, the Colorado Pole Championship. Um, it was incredible. Just, I mean, beautiful, artistic, incredibly um physical it was really cool nice. yeah a lot of creativity yeah yeah men and women both oh wow more women. crazy yeah. crazy yeah yeah i don't think people got enough um you know oh strippers this and that i don't th- think people got no. enough credit for their athleticism back you know well even- the thing strippers don't climb poles strippers walk around poles in high heels <laughs> right. dancers climb poles yeah. and it's a completely different thing yeah. yeah so but basically you can imagine the kind of um like like binge watching netflix amazon whatever you know 30 minute comedy that you could have it was basically going to take place split between a pole studio which is really empowering to women. And then the podcaster next door, who his his girlfriend's opening the pole studio, but he works on a podcast. Right. So the draw, think about, I mean, you're just sitting there going, wait, oh yeah. No, and then, you know, so he's trying to understand her and the empowerment and be supportive. And at the same time, it's a little hard and he's feeling a little emasculated. You know what I mean? Right. And, and maybe his, his guy friends, one of them's pulling him, you know, like, man, stuff. <laughs> That's that's actually a really cool idea. I, I do have to say you're you're onto something here because you would not. I mean, you probably can't imagine how many thousands and hundreds of thousands of screenplays and pe- things yes. that people, even popular people, write, and they just get yep. binned or put in a file. Even like you know yep. Spielberg and all these guys. The, yep. Half the time, that's why they ended up making their own studios, is because uh, right. you know there's hundreds of thousands of people they get told no and and I have to say that when I first moved up here I think it was 20 yep. 2007 I think there was a huge writer strike and you I mean yep. Netflix was I remember. full yeah so that's when all these people got their shot actually is like Netflix was full of zombie attack four and like this and you know, all these crazy yep. things started coming out. They were cheesy. Sharknado never would have become an enterprise right. had the writer strike <laughs> not happened. Right. But all I, of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, all this, when, when that happens, they go, go to these things and you realize how many 
things actually get submitted. And there was some good stuff too. I'm not just saying the cheesy ones, yeah. but I'm just saying when stuff like that gets greenlit, you can yep. only imagine how much great stuff they also have yep. just waiting in a file cabinet that never gets made. So, Oh, I understand completely. Oh, I, I, it's nuts. And the reality is, yeah, I've been out to LA and I've spent time and, and I'm never going to come live out there. So until, well, until somebody, there's actually a production company that's set up not too far from here in Nelsonville, which is in Northern Athens County. Um, Until I start working with somebody really probably locally or at least regionally um, to, to create content, because just like with podcasts, everyone has their own interview show. Didn't used to be that way. It used to be Johnny Carson, you know, and and Merv Griffith. That was it. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's decentralizing and, um. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. I turned my mic down, but I, I forgot you could You're- still hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was like, "Oh God!" I do you so do you work in the film industry? No, I do not actually. But I but have I, mean- I, I have several friends that do. One of my good friends from high yeah. school actually um is a uh works from well his company works with marvel now and he's but he's worked on like a bunch of stuff and uh i got another friend that works at the henson company and i mean people all all, all my friends that do other stuff they work in the industry they call it when you live out here but the thing is is yeah are you in the industry that's the first thing people ask me whenever i meet new people and it's like what oh that's like their lingo everybody here does something else for that you know what i'm saying so yeah I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do. i do it's interesting so no it's i i don't it is i don't <laughs> but that's I, okay it's all right no i had a i had a good friend from um when i was at northwestern he was in the master's program in theater and he ended up moving out to la and i would visit him sometimes and he would take me around and he'd be filming a commercial or something and i'd, I'd just be you know kind of watching and seeing what was going on so yeah jesse had a lot of um insights into the industry it's pretty exhausting yeah and it's uh (laughs) there are so many improv schools and you know everybody's trying to get their little piece of the peanut but uh, you know let's say 50 100 people make it and oh i know you know what i'm saying there's everybody moves out here to la to do something they end up being waitresses at uh, a bar or you know, yes. some some of the guys end up being like improv comedy on the weekend, yes. and then working donut shop during the day or whatever it is. Sure. Because sure. and that's okay because it's their that's their path they need to work through. Yeah, uh, musicians. Every I mean everything that you do, musician, screenwriter. I, I mean you you could be like five different people out here, and you're one person. It's so crazy. <laughs> so so oh, to go back, having come from a really fucked up childhood. Uh-huh. Can I say that word? Sure, uh, anyway. No. Um, <laughs> of course you can. Okay. Uh, and being someone who's super creative anyway, but then driven to try to prove my worth because when you're emotionally abused and put down and told you're no good, you will never feel quite right inside. And so you're always, always, always look at this, look at this, try that, you know, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. so that's where a lot of the drive comes from. And it's good recognizing it now because I am in a great place where I've got I've, I've ended the cycle of abuse. My kids had wonderful ch- childhoods. A little weird, I will admit, full of a lot of crazy characters. That's true too. But they're both really high functioning, healthy people in their twenties. You know, um, my husband's amazing. This is the second husband. We both had starter marriages. Um, it happens. But 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 on my friends, I've learned what I don't want in friends, which is I don't want to be used anymore. I don't want people who are going to threaten me if I don't do what they want me to do the way they want me to do it. So it's it's all good, you know. It's part of the process. But when I was a 
kid looking at what are what are people saying you should do? How how do you do this? Tom Robbins is a, a writer from the seventies, eighties, nineties. Um, wrote a lot of alternative stuff. You've heard of Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. I yeah, think, probably. Woodpecker is still blues. alive. Even Cowgirls yes. Get the Blues. So one of, uh, I got all kinds of great things from him. One was at the end of Still Life with Woodpecker. He goes to manual writing because he's tired of his typewriter. And one of the two things he's like, one, everything is part of it, meaning you're always being, paying attention, even the bad stuff. It's all part of it. And two, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. So what I did was I came here and I bought the damn farm and I had a happy childhood in conjunction with my own children's. So by giving them a happy childhood, I got to have one. Nice. Two, he used to say in one of his other books, I don't remember which one, that most people are too damn scared to write their own movie, much less star in it. And I'm like, that's me. I'm going to I'm gonna write my own movie. I'm going to star in it. So out here in Southeast Ohio, there's room for someone kind of as big and frenetic as me to do that. Right. So I am kind of a force in this area and people are a little bit like, oh, my God, what are you doing now? That's okay. I get to do that here. If I came to L.A., I wouldn't get I'd have to hide it under a barrel. You know, it wouldn't wouldn't be a healthy thing at all. You'd have to have a therapist. Everybody would ask you who your therapist is and I know, right? (laughs) All the LA blab. Yeah. Oh, that would be my motorcycle. Is my therapist? Yeah. So So, hey, let's. uh, Yeah, let's um, transition into that now. You, the the last thing that you have on your list here that I have for you is the serpent's bones, and on top of all this amazing, I mean, this is just a crazy, uh, amazing life that you've had and have. Yeah. (laughs) You've got one more thing, which is the, the serpent's bones. And I, I read a bunch of that too. And, and, uh, that was really amazing. And apparently that's right out, not too far from Blue Heron Run, correct? So Blue Heron Run is our farm and we do have swampland that floods. If it's raining for two days or three days, you can't get there from here. And the, the bottom below our house is moving all moving. So it floods on that side. On the other side of the road are cliffs, sandstone cliffs. And they're really cool. And one rock kind of sticks out and you call it, we call it lookout point. And the coyotes go up and poop there because it's like, and then my dogs go up and they're like, no, no, me too. But um, <laughs> so we've got, we are, we are the serpent's chin. And this is a constellation, the way that constellations don't exactly match the stars. The serpent doesn't exactly match the roads, but it informs where the roads are. So what this idea started with was when I started writing, I found that I love writing and I love maps. I have a very analytical brain. My parents tried to have a boy child. They ended up with four girls. Um, I was the third girl. I was supposed to be a boy. What they didn't realize is that I have the physical outward of a, a girl and the brain of a boy. <laughs> right. I've done like, I've really looked at this. My daughter has a brain of a girl and she does girl things and I don't do girl things. I have a very analytical, what people think of as a male brain. Right. Um, I was great at trigonometry calculus. I tutored those, you know, like um, it doesn't, doesn't change who I am. It's just a thing that I've noticed over time. So maps, maps are awesome. Maps, fucking maps. Um, and around here, what we have is a university in Athens, but everywhere else was mines, coal mines, surface mines, down in the in the ground mines. And the roads to get to those mines and the farms that were around the mines um, are two lane and they are undulating. They pass through these hills and they wind and they bend and they, hey, there's some people riding. Hey, guys. Um, so... 
they're unimproved. Nobody took the time to straighten or flatten anything out. So I don't know how much you've ridden. If you if you've been to Arkansas, I'm sure you've been on some roads that you know you're hanging sideways a bit uh, as you're going. Yeah, and I mean, you're going up over the hill, and then the road moves. Yeah, and you better move with it, or you're going to be in that farmer's field. So, oh yeah, so much fun, so much fun. And I've had my Transalp Honda Transalp 1989, same year my son was born. Five years and put almost 14,000 miles on it, nice. all in Southeast Ohio, all in Southeast Ohio from Cambridge um, and Zanesville, all the way down to Portsmouth, Ironton. Um, so this whole area, I've been over and over and over and over a lot of these roads. And since it's a dual sport and I keep the knobby tires on it, if it looks like fun, even though it's gravel or dirt, I can go down it, yeah. which is awesome. If it's real, real track, I can't because the bike's too heavy. So I've been some really fun, interesting places. But um, for something, if I really wanted to be out in the woods, I'd need to get a smaller bike. Um, So, And and the Serpent's Bones, yeah, when I was looking at it and I I was trying to figure out, because like you said, dudes love maps, right? I I love looking at it. I was trying to piece it together. And yeah, I realized that it wasn't like a, perfect drawing or a representation of the the graphic that was on there. I wasn't sure if it was a right. burial ground, you know, because I was like, are they, is this one of those like native burial grounds that they found and it recreates this thing? But then I then I started piecing it together and I saw, yeah, you've got a different, it's just different um, like loops and different single track that connects pieces here and here and here. And when you put right. it all together, it creates this like crazy large network that you know, yes. like you like you were saying, like a constellation creates this beast to the serpent, if you will. And, <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, and it's got antlers and ears and a spine and tails and claws and all these yep. different roots that uh, it's it's amazing to check out. Um, how did you get acquainted with that, or what? Like, what was the impetus to uh, put that together, or actually, who even started that whole thing? So, so let me tell you, when I started writing, I went, ooh, and then my husband and I were like, maybe he's been in business forever and maybe we should make some maps, you know, and, and, and sell maps like that would be a business. Well, nobody buys maps anymore. And so I kind of realized that I started talking to people about, ooh, you know, we need some motorcycling roads down here. Motorcycling roads would be really cool. I could do that. I'm out there. I know them. And so the Visitors Bureau in Athens heard my idea and went, yeah, that's great. But they didn't use me. They used some guys that they knew. And they made something called the Windy or Windy 9, which you can find online. And all of those routes, the goal is to have people stay in Athens and then ride these routes. So they all go from Athens and back to Athens, which is fine. Like a tourist trade route, basically. It's absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's basically my motive, my inspiration is called AppalachianBackroads.com. It's the one that covers Western Virginia, not West Virginia, Western Virginia and Eastern Kentucky. And it's it's a collaboration of convention and visitors bureaus developing these routes, featuring local businesses on the routes. And it's where the tail of the dragon is. So that was the original route that they then built it out into a multi-million dollar tourism industry. Gotcha. So I went to Vinton County where I actually teach school. Vinton County is next door west of Athens County. It is the poorest, most rural, uh, least populated county in Ohio of the 88 counties. It's got a lot of state forests. Selesky State Forest is over there. It's got um, incredible poverty. Um, Some of these kids, you just can't even imagine how they live. And I'm not going to make you cry right now, but... um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So anyway, I went to... Yeah, I went to Vinton County 
Convention and Visitors Bureau, the one guy that works there. And I said, hey, Caleb, I think I want to do this. Maybe we can get a grant. And he's like, sure, okay. Um, well, I got tired of thinking about grants because I've done grants. I did them for my singer-songwriter, my second album. And they're slow and the process is excruciating. So last winter, we had a bunch of snow days and actually flood days because Vinton County floods just like my bottom does. Um, and I was getting bored with sitting around. So I just made the website. Yeah. Uh, and I say just, it started with, uh, okay, I researched and said, okay, what would be a good story? Because if you want people to get hooked, you have to have a good story. So I was researching dragons and it couldn't be a dragon because the tail of the dragon is unique to the area that it's in. Um, but you want something that people go, oh, I want to ride the serpent's bones, which sounds a little naughty, but I like that about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the serpent, I, I found that the Algonquin and the Shawnee were a part of the Algonquin nation. The Shawnee used to hunt. We're, we live in their old hunting grounds. They lived in Chillicothe Town, but they came here to hunt. And the property behind my property is was known as the place of big water. And it's where they used to camp because there's an artesian well that puts out over 2,000 gallons of water a day. So we've got big water underneath of us, underneath us. And then the Native Americans would camp there and then and then hunt on our property. So I found a reference to, you know, there weren't dragons here, but there were serpents here. And then the Algonquin held sacred Kenapiqua, which is what it kind of talks about on the front page of the website. And I just started researching Kinapiqua. This is cool. You know, tell me more. Well, okay. So it's a horse-faced, changeable water serpent. It can have multiple, it can change. So metamorphose. So I'm like, cool, then I can make it anything I kind of want it to be. So it's a horse-faced serpent. Well, we've been clearing um, a lot of brush and debris down at the old um, farmhouse site that had been let go really bad. So we had a bonfire over Christmas. And I don't remember if it was Christmas Eve or if it was New Year's Eve. We had a big bonfire. And I'm sitting by the bonfire and thinking about the serpent and sitting by the bonfire. And all of a sudden, I looked into the fire. And I have this on video. There's the serpent. It's got two eyes. It was a pine trunk. It had two glowing eyes. It had a nose that was kind of horse-faced. It, it looked like it had a little lip. And then it had two glowing, smoking nostrils. And it was just sitting in my fire crazy it was really cool i think i might have posted them on my instagram and the instagram is serpents bones ohio so if you go there you might be able to see the video of the serpent snorting yeah. at me so that's that was okay it's like okay it's here time to go so then i created the website and then i've been adding routes to it so it started with the heart because that's where the heart of the serpent goes around lake hope and Lake Hope is about 30 minutes from our house. And the roads on either side of it, east and west, are just lovely. The roads through the middle of it are just lovely. The, you know, so, so that's the first big loop. Lake Hope is an easy place to find. It's got cabins. It's got camping. It's got a beautiful lake. It's got a place to eat, a wonderful, wonderful um, lodge overlooking the lake. So that's like, – I don't have to work to sell Lake Hope. Yeah. But then if you enter there, then you can go, oh, because Benton County has lots and lots of two-lane paved roads – that no one's on. So natural beauty and history. The other thing, the other industry before the coal mines was actually the iron furnaces. And if you look at the iron, see, I love history too. If you look at the iron furnaces, there's something called the Hanging Rock Iron Furnace, Iron Area. And it starts there in Vinton County, goes all the way down to Ironton. All the towns are named for things like furnace and iron and ore and, and like ore town. Um, and so the 
they what the furnaces were was um, they got the raw ingredients for pig iron and then they cooked it down by cutting all the forests and burning. Literally, they would have 25 foot diameter bonfires, rake the, the cook cook those down to coals that they would shove into the furnace and then melt the iron. Mm. Um, the Civil War battleships, all the iron for the battleships and the cannons and all that pretty much came from this area. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that's, I yeah, love- so you can go see the old furnaces. So the furnaces yeah. are made out of sandstone and they look like little chimneys. And there's one right, right by Lake Hope that's on the main drag 278. And it's a very well-preserved one. My husband and I just went and saw another one further south today when we were out riding. We went down to Cooper Hollow, Cooper Hollow Wildlife Area, and there's a neat one down there too. Um, so sandstone and the rocks around here, we've got flint, we've got sandstone, we've got limestone, are the reason that this area is so hilly. We look a lot more like West Virginia than we do like Northern Ohio. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed like all the, the elevation and, and stuff like that, but I've seen the pics and yeah, it's pretty amazing looking. Yeah. Uh, what a good way to, you know, get that, kind of production out of the way is just to build it into the natural sandstone, right? They, they, some of these yeah. are carved into the hills, correct? Yes. I mean, and some of them... Yes. Yeah. Some of them are. Keystone Furnace, the one that we looked at today, was carved in and then had more um, sandstone stacked on top. And my husband's gotten into working sandstone a little bit, so he's uh, really interested in rock. And um, it was really cool because he went above our house where we've got our sandstone cliffs and he's been up there. And what you do is you drill holes and then you put these feathers and wedges in and they literally, you just tap them in. I had a four-year-old do some, um, you know, with a little hammer, you just tap them in, tap them in, tap them in. And then the, the rock splits and breaks apart. So he'd done this to a bunch of the rocks and then he found this big flat one. He's going, this is cool. So he's going to take the moss off the top and he started clearing the moss. And there, darn, if there isn't a drilled hole, one, two, three, three, four from a hundred years before when they'd been quarrying sandstone to make the um, cold cellar down at the old farmhouse. No kidding, dude. That is yeah, crazy. They left that one. They drilled the holes and were like, what happened? Did the mule die? Yeah. Are they, <laughs> like, they're like, ah, we don't need any more, but it was ready. Dude, that is crazy. Right. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. And that is some of, some of the stuff that you can find just cruising around these back roads, right? I mean, yes, man. exactly. Yes. Or if you know it's there, um, like the tunnels, the railroad tunnels, some of them, you have to know the name of them and the GPS locations and, you know, go find them in the woods or just off of a road. They're, yeah. Oh, that is so rad. I'm, I, I, like I said, I checked out the Serpent's Bones, but there's so much to it. You've been, you've been a busy person. Uh, I've been busy. Yeah. Because yeah. each time, and I think there was, uh, you know, there's a lot of pictures that document this. There's some cool pictures of your bike out there. Um, yep. And so, yeah, I mean, you've you've done a good job of showing where this stuff is if you're, you know, looking to tour around there. And yeah. I, I think this is cool because a lot of people that travel obviously say, oh, my one of my bucket list things is the tail of a dragon or Sturgis yeah. or this and that. And yes. I think that I find that this idea is kind of a way to get off the main drag and exactly. get back into the into some of the history, and then, like you're saying, some of the not only the uh, the physical history, but like the the geographic history of the the area. Like, look at all these crazy, um, like you're you know the example of why is it shaped like this, and it's because yeah, the sandstone erodes pretty easily, yep. you know, and so yeah, you got hills and turns, and it and it just looks fun too. I mean. I mean, there's all this history stacked underneath it, but it just looks like a lot of fun, and it looks like it's pretty cool and and yeah. shady in there. So I, I, you know, when it's been it's been like a hundred and something out here, the desert's always yeah. fun and great. But 
I prefer wooded areas because I was born in one sort of, yeah. you know, so I mean, I prefer no, stuff yeah. like that. And to look at that, it looks like a lot more fun than just writing out here in scrub brush. <laughs> no, know? it's true. So it's interesting because we're a different climate here, actually. We are in a temperate forest. Yeah, okay. The biodiversity here in the Ohio River Valley is insane. And the moisture, like it's not just about humid, but like things just like the, there's just moisture everywhere. Huh. It, it, and and people are kind of amazed. They're like, wow, you know, this and and yeah, it's it's I I like it because I think that water having camped various places with the rainbow gathering and such water is always critical. The very first thing you have to take care of is where's the water, where's the good water and good water is not a given. And one of the real dangers is that we keep poisoning the ground and forget that the water comes out of the ground. The water you drink comes out of the ground. So I'm fortunate that I have a bunch of springs on my property, but then there's a bunch of water around in different places. So you can go get good water at different (laughs) springs. Um, But one of my routes that I did early on was the Tongue because 681 goes just a mile from my house, State Route 681. It starts uh, to the west of us slightly at 356, right outside a town called, guess what? Mineral. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, 681, yeah, goes from that western terminus and it goes all the way down to the Ohio River. And that's the Tongue. And it's lovely, 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 lovely. Can't even uh, sing his praises. And there's no one out there. I will ride for 45 minutes and maybe see one truck. Wow. There's no one on these roads. A lot of the roads my husband and I rode this morning, we saw maybe five cars in the first hour. Maybe. And it's it's Labor Day weekend. So you get off the main drag, you go back on these roads, and there's no one out there. And Amish country, so. Um, but when I did... When I designed the tongue, it went down to the river in Reedsville, turned to the right on the Ohio River, went past a <laughs> a state park called Forked Run. Hmm. So it's the forked end of the tongue, right? Get okay, it? Okay, right, right. Okay, so tongue, tongue, forked tongue. Went past Forked Run, place for a picnic, as dip if you wanted to. Then you would turn right on 248 back up to Chester. Well, Chester put in an injection well for fracking waste. Yikes. So the trucks have been coming across from Pennsylvania. And they've been driving down 124 along the Ohio River, and they've been driving up 248, a wonderful little winding two-lane, and they've destroyed it. The last time I was on it, it had gone from being just this lovely little asphalt band through the hills to, oh, you know, just completely destroyed it. So they're out there paving it again. But if those fracking trucks keep bringing the waste up those back routes, they're ruining them. Yeah. And then people can't get where they need to go. It's hard on their vehicle, you know, on and on. That and we don't know what's in that waste. It's not water. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) And so, you know, Ohio is a dumping ground. They are also putting in more facilities down in the Ohio River for waste, basically, from the East Coast. You know, it all comes as far as it can. We used to get trash from New York City. That's gross, man. Well, I, I always people are gross. People are gross. Yeah. We generate all this trash. We got to put it somewhere. You know, in the yeah. olden days, people just put it back the holler. You just had your own trash pile. You yeah. Know? That's how <laughs> my family still, there's no services out there. So basically, right. yeah, you have a burn a burn pit and you try to buy yep. not as much, uh, you yep. know, whatever plastics and stuff because you don't want to burn that stuff. But yeah. Right. The, right. So, I always, anyway, um, yeah. So I had to change the, the, when I went back on that road and realized how bad it was, I actually changed the tongue and the way that you ride it 
because it was unacceptable. So yeah. I'm I'm not, not these routes are not set in stone. I'm not finished. Um, I have still to do the wings because you notice there are no wings that are going to go up through the Hocking Hills and north of Logan, where my husband grew up. Um, but then I have other ideas for things that maybe were a little more ephemeral. So I can kind of keep going with the creation part of it as I find other cool things that I go, mm, people would like this and this road's real nice. Then I can keep adding to it. So it's a passion project. I want to bring tourism to the area. After working with Vinton County, I ended up um, developing all the northern routes around thinking Vinton County and surrounding areas. But then I realized the bottom part of the serpent had to go down into Gallia County. And Gallia County is lovely, lovely, lovely. That's where we were today. Nice. We actually rode uh, two hours down to a lake that is 100 acres. And on a Sunday of Labor Day weekend, there were two other cars. No kidding, man. All this natural beauty and, and no one to share it with. <laughs> well, people don't know it's there and yeah. it's not... It's not conveniently located. You have to go out there and find it. Anyway. Um, hey, how close Galia are you? County is also, I'm also pairing with Galia County's Convention of Visitors Bureau. So, I'm, okay. they're gonna, so, so the two counties are both very rural, very poor, needing tourism. And this is one way to get it. Go ahead. Southeast Ohio, how in relation to everything around um, state-wise, uh, who from other states can cruise up there easily? Like, let's say a couple, like a weekend, if they want to spend a weekend up there, where uh, where's the surrounding areas? So we are getting a lot of people coming to Blue Heron Run. Not all on motorcycles, some on motorcycles. They're coming from Dayton, Cincinnati, Toledo, all the flat parts of Ohio. Okay. Cleveland, Akron, Youngstown, Columbus, and all the environs around Columbus. Tons and tons of people coming from that area. I also meet a lot of people from Indiana who hoof it over here because it's not that far. Okay. You get fewer people from Kentucky because they've already got wonderful places to go down <laughs> right. to Kentucky. <laughs> right. You get more people from Western Pennsylvania. So it's kind of that that area. Now, I we've started talking about the Serpent's Bones on um, forums, and we're getting interest from all over the eastern seaboard. So from, you know, Vermont and from people who've, they've kind of done all of those tours. Where's the next one? From from uh, Maryland, from Rhode Island, you know, people going, okay, that looks kind of cool. You know, they yeah. don't mind hoofing it a thousand miles to get over there just to ride these roads. So. Yeah. And if you do, I mean, you're coming out there on a road trip or something, you're already probably trying to keep it minimalist and having a place to throw your, yes. you know, having a tent there for you and just a, a nice place to sit and kick your feet in the creek. It sounds right. awesome. Not having to worry about right. hoteling it and getting your bike stolen yep. and all this and that. What yep. type of it's bike? Safe, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and relaxing from the sound of it. And yep. what type of bikes can make it on these trails? I mean, do you have to have a dedicated uh, dual sport, ah, anything like that? Nope. No. So all of the serpent's bones are paved to two lanes. They're oh. paved, well paved. That's the whole point. Um, I can show people where there's some cool adventure roads to go exploring, but no, the, the serpent's bones are all paved. Nice. Paved, paved, paved. You can take a car on them. You oh. don't have to have a motorcycle. You can take a trike on it. You can take whatever. Yeah. Got wheels. Now, what you don't want to do on some of these real sharp ones, like the serpent's claw, you can't take a truck with a trailer on that. Some okay. of the curves are just too sharp. Yeah, you'll be crossing over. I mean, you don't not, want to not take like to a turn. behind camper. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's good to know. And, and I mean, it just sounds like so much fun to ride these things. Twisty, turny, uh, beautiful <laughs> yep. scenery. You guys, the leaves change actually there, right? You guys have leaves. Uh, they do, right? In about a month or so, it's going to be just stunning. Oh, yeah. Man. 
Yeah, out here in California, we have palm trees. The leaves don't really change that much. So (laughs) (laughs) another another check on the bucket list there to ride through the changing leaves. But man, so this, it sounds... I mean, it's it's a, a passion and it's a love of yours and it's something that you're doing totally on your own to uh, enrich the lives of other other riders and the and the surrounding communities. So I yeah, gotta, basically to share. Yeah, yeah I got to give you big thumbs up for that. I mean, that's it's pretty amazing. I I think you've got a pretty good handle on what we're doing. And I mean, it really is to boost tourism. I'd like I was out there today, and I will say I did see some motorcycles. But I only saw a handful of motorcycles. Okay. I would have liked to see 200, 500, 1,000 motorcycles enjoying these roads on a Labor Day weekend. You know, I just, I'd love to see people out there. Um, when we went down by the river where there was a lot of, there's a lot of traffic by the river. There just always is. River roads always get a lot of traffic. Then I saw a bunch of bikes. But I'd like to see them out there on the byways, on the back roads. You know, just stopping at Timber Lake. Where there's, you know, it's paved all the way up to the lake and there's a, you can go swimming or whatever. There's a little dock and, um, I actually went for a swim today cause that was my goal. I was like, we're, we're riding all the way to Timber Lake and I'm getting in. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. What's the, what's the weather been there lately? Has it been pouring right now, rain it's or hot? hot. Yeah. Okay. No, it's pretty hot. This, this time of year is, is hot and humid. So nineties yeah. and you know, a hundred percent humidity, but Ugh. it's all right. <laughs> so what I have, yeah. So what I have going on, um, my, my husband, I, I found him. He was, he'd moved to the neighborhood after his divorce. He left Columbus and came back down to this area, bought a place just, just two roads over from me. And you know what it is? It's location, location, location. I was available at that point, And there's this man who's right over there. And that worked out really well for us. Yeah. Anyway. So he's the one that got me started with the motorcycle and all this kind of stuff. But, um, he always wanted to have a wood fired hot tub. They're called snorkel brand. And you basically have a barrel of cedar that you've put together and put the big metal um, hoops around and tightened down. And then you fill it with water. Then you sink a wood stove in it. And then you sit there, you fire up your wood stove and you sit there in the water and that's your hot tub. So we've had one of those for 20 years. Um, The old one rotted out and we got a replacement a couple of years ago. So in the wintertime, we're sitting outside. It's 10 degrees. We're happy as clams watching the stars. In the summertime, we leave it cold. And so the frogs hop in there, we hop in there, we get out, we hop back in. It's hot all day long, but it makes a big difference, right? Yeah. We've got a swimming pool down in the creek, but you have to walk to that. So this is just on the back porch. So we're like, hey, how's the cold tub? Yeah. Cold. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. And it doesn't seem very cold. If it, if it just came out of the cistern, it's probably 55 or 60. But if we let it sit for a few days, it comes up to 70 or 75. Yeah, I know. In just, Arkansas, the swimming holes were, you know, the creek. And so, yeah, it's cold all year round. Freezing. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's cold, then it's spring fed, which is good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So our swimming hole is spring fed. That yeah, keeps it cold down on the bottom. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we've got, uh, I mean, it, this is an incredible story and there's so, I, I want to visit now. Like you've made, you've made me want to come back awesome. there. Uh, so we've got, you know, music, we've got film, we've got the serpent's bones, blue hair and all this stuff. Do you want to go ahead and throw out some of the contacts for this stuff? Sure. You can find us on the web, Serpent Bones or Serpent's Bones. If you put an S in there, it still takes you to the same site, serpentbones.com. The bones, in case you didn't catch it, are the rock outcroppings that you'll see everywhere. Really cool rock outcroppings. Um, 
and the roads have to go around the rocks and that's why they rock and roll. And then our camping is blueheronrun.com and uh, the Instagram where I post today, I posted a picture of all the traffic on the back roads. It's kind of a joke because it's me sitting on my bike with my camera, taking a picture of an empty road for a couple of minutes. Um, so the Instagram is Serpent Bones Ohio or Serpent's Bones Ohio, I think. Serpent's Bones. Yeah, I think it's got an S on it. Serpent's Bones Ohio. And then on Facebook and um, the the book that I wrote that I self-published, um, my, my current nom de plume is Kesara. All righty. So with the... Uh, hey, it's K-E-I-G-H. Yeah. That's As a, in way. Yeah, like a, like a Gaelic, uh, Gaelic sort of spelling there, huh? Right, and then K Sarah and Sarah is S E R A H. So it goes back to the old, uh, was it Doris Day that saying K Sarah Sarah Sarah? Whatever will be, will be. Yep. The future's not ours to see. K Sarah Sarah. So that's me, K Sarah. All righty, we're gonna check out and see what uh, see what books we can come up with. And then uh, one of the partners that you had mentioned was the AppalachianBackroads.com. Will that take oh, you? Oh, so they're not a partner. They actually they they do a different thing, but it's my inspiration. Okay, good. So what they do is really well done. It's you know it draws people in, and then I want the Serpent Bones to be something similar but different because we've got a different story and it's a lot of natural beauty and history if people want to dive into that. Nice. That's amazing. Well, hey, thank you for wasting a perfectly good hour uh, talking to some schmuck in a garage in California. No. uh, It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I want to want you to get back to your natural wonder and one day maybe one day i say this to everybody but i i really am <laughs> gonna make a make a road trip across america one of these days and i'm gonna stop in at blue hair and run see what it's all about well life is long and so chances are you probably will if it's a goal you can make it happen yeah i've made it 153 years without seeing it and damn it it's time i make it back there Right, right, yeah. <laughs> well, alrighty, Sarah. Thank you so much, and uh, yeah, check her out. Happens. Check her out online, K Sarah, um, and I will put all the notes and all the websites in the show notes for this episode. And it's been a blast talking to you. Get out there on that Trans Alp and rip it. All right, you have a good one. Alrighty. Hey there, listeners. This is Patreon subscriber Narissa coming to you from inside my helmet in the land of beer and cheese. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to the Creative Writing Podcast. All right, all right. Well, Wiggs, what'd you think of that interview? That was pretty awesome. Dude, totally rad. <laughs> so, um, and by the way, I read her book. Uh, I don't know if she mentioned it on the, in the interview. Um, middle schooler, homeschooler versus middle school. Awesome book, by the way. Uh, I read it. It was a quick read. Strokes are for white fucking trash. All right, to another fabulous interview with Sarah Guthrie. Another fabulous. It was the same one we did a couple years ago, back on episode 141 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. But I do want to tell you, uh, she is out there ripping and cruising. If you go to Serpent's Bones Ohio on uh, Instagram, you'll you'll see her out there pulling. Dank hoolies and noon, some dank nooners and stoppies on her Transalp, 
and her TW200 and all sorts of great stuff all over the uh, Ohio, the coast, the mid middle coast of Ohio. I don't know. Does Ohio have a coast? Like I said, I don't know much about the Midwest of the, of the U.S. of A. Um, hey, listen up, everybody. Uh, we're going to head out of here, but I did want to say one thing. I did want to say um, there are some events coming up. Uh, I do know that the... Uh, uh, Distinguished Gentleman's Ride is coming up this year, and, and they've been having a bunch of what they call chin wags, which is a bunch of blabbing and wabba wabba talking about getting money and donating, yada yada. There's another ride coming up here in SoCal uh, that I want to talk about on the 27th. And, <clears throat> excuse me, goddamn. If you, um, if you, uh, live here in SoCal, you might want to check it out, but it's going to be the same day as the, uh, the... Guess what? Somebody just learned to talk, and his name is Junkie Turdman. Welcome him now to stage one here at Tito's Topless Tacos Tampanade and Taco Titty, uh, Taco Tuesday Titty Bar and Taco Grill here in wonderful Compton. Hey, listen, <clears throat> it's, it's Junkie. I forgot what I was going to say. Here it is right here. Save the date, September 27th. Torque Law Motor, Motorcycle Attorneys <clears throat> is having a suicide prevention ride. Uh, it's going to be hosted by the uh, SoCal Zion Riders and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Guess what? You don't have to. It's the same day as a D- DGR, only you don't have to have a shitty old bike that barely runs or a shitty mustache that only looks good on a pedophile in the park. Um, you can actually uh, be anybody, any bike, and ride this thing. So um, I'm down. Uh, you know, I did the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride one time, and I thought, man, all right, cool. There's a bunch of, uh, you know, the one I did was actually cool. They weren't too too stuck up about what type of bikes you ride, but a lot of them are. And that's how they raised awareness. They got this little niche thing going. It's kind of made it like a cool, too cool for you event, right? And so this one's open to anybody. And so you would seem like if you wanted to get some money donated that you would uh, allow more people to come or not exclude people. So, yeah, this one put on is uh, going to be happening here in SoCal. And it's the uh, hopefully they raise hopefully they raise some money, uh, enough money to uh, rub it in the distinguished gentleman's ride's face. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but. Let me see what here. What it say? We're just going to meet up. Let me give you some more details on it rather than just saying that. So September 27th, something big and meaningful in work. Come and support the event to spread suicide awareness. Uh, that's all it says. So, yeah, I guess you got to figure it out. If you can't figure out where it is, uh, don't kill yourself. Go to the, um, actually, it's in a couple weeks. So I think they might still be hashing out the details. Of this thing, but anyway, yeah, go to uh, California Motorcycle Community if you want to learn more and see where to go. Um, there's also mm, some flat track happening this week down on the border um, between the United States and Mexico down there in East County uh, or Imperial Valley. I forget where the hell it is, Imperial County. Um, and also, you can just come up here and ride around and get smoked out with us. Yeah. 
but anyways, um, so that's happening. Junkmeister is going to be heading to the mountains, to the fresh, clean mountain air. But supposedly, I heard the the wind has changed, and the smoke's blowing up there. So maybe I'll go up there and huff some more smoke. Um, but we'll see. We'll be back with you next week. Uh, Sunday as usual, right, Tobor? I mean, we're supposed to go back into the GSXR. Uh, we're, we're supposed to broadcast live from here to GSXR Airwaves, so we'll find out. But anyway, everybody have a wonderful uh, weekend. I hope you get out and ride. Uh, keep keep sharing with us what you have coming up on uh, on your local neck of the woods. If you have anything, DM us on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll stick it in. Patrons, I hope everyone's doing is alive and doing well. And uh, spooky spokes. Don't forget about it, folks. Uh, it is coming up in about a month now. And uh, October, we're going to do a show as close to Halloween as we can. And so that's uh, going to be glorious prizes to win. And so remember, whatever you submit is what um, basically what's going to get. And, uh, and Halloween is on a Saturday this year. So we'll probably do the show on a Friday, just like we used to back in the day before Moto One execs changed it to Sunday evenings after the motorcycle polka show uh, here on the GSXR 600 FM the squid all right everybody have a good weekend and get out and ride um, ride them don't hide them talking about your mustaches not your motorcycles gentlemen <laughs> yeah all right everybody see you later bye I think my wife would be more mad if I said I was happier to ride the mountains <laughs> Never mind. I'll keep that keep that one to myself. So the other day I was fucking a vending machine and didn't even know it. It had all the standard integration ports and was cold and quiet like all my fuck buddies. <laughs> Radical bro. Nice nice uh G- TMI Tobor. Tobor, you think we should bring back, like, not word of the week, but, like, question of the day or something like that? Like why a duck isn't just called a sporking waterfowl? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we could do that. You know, a duck in Welsh is hoyadin. Hoyadin. Take that to your robotic pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah. You're the motorcycle in this room. <laughs> <laughs>